Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Monday, February 14th, by the way. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. This is probably an excellent day to do the podcast I'm about to do, because in a sense, it is about love, but it's about a specific way to use the intention of love. I was watching a panel discussion where Marianne Williamson, if you don't know who she is, she's an author and a spiritual leader, Marianne Williamson and Vivek Ramaswamy, who is a a healthcare entrepreneur, he's an author and a political commentator, were both on with Bill Maher, and they were talking about how to solve the challenges that we are up against in the world today, in the United States today, both politically and economically. And... Let me tell you a little bit about Marianne Williamson, because it's very relevant to this entire analysis. As I said, Marianne is an author and a spiritual leader. She, however, ran for Congress, and she also ran for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2016. I remember watching the debates, and I remember watching Marianne in particular, because I met her once. She was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, where I lived at the time. And she was doing a presentation on a book that has basically been the foundation of her notoriety, which is a book called The Course in Miracles. It's a spiritual book. It's allegedly Jesus speaking through a woman who took down the dictation. It's a fascinating book. It has gained worldwide notoriety, sold probably, I don't even know, maybe tens of millions of copies, if not more, around the world. And Marianne is probably its biggest proponent and most well-known. As I said, she was doing a presentation on an aspect of the book, A Course in Miracles, and I was in the audience. After the presentation, I had a private session with Marianne where I did a reading for her. If you don't know what a reading is, I'm an intuitive and I have been my whole life. I'm a lawyer by education, but I'm a natural intuitive and I can let's say, or not me, but spirit through me, is able to provide people with guidance and information at critical junctures of their lives, is how I like to see it. I always ask for the highest good of the person who sits in front of me, and I do what are called, in many circles, psychic readings. I like to call them intuitive spiritual readings. Nonetheless, I read Marianne. And so, It's interesting. She and I have some things in common. We're born just four days apart. And so if you believe in astrology at all, we have some similarities of inclination and similarities of personality. I understand her spiritual journey because I've been on one of my own my entire life. I also understand her interest and fascination with politics. I have similarly been on that journey my whole life. I also understand having practiced law and dealt with the realities of how politics interferes and interrupts and perverts 
the actual functioning of business and professionalism, I've been there. I've seen that in the legal profession. I've also been involved in politics at certain junctures of my life, both locally and nationally. I've worked for candidates in both spheres. And so when I watched Mary Ann in the presidential debates, I was on the phone at the time with a friend of mine who was also very spiritually inclined, and we were together watching the debate because we both wanted to see Mary Ann's presentation, as it were. And I said to my friend at the time, you know, she's in the wrong venue because her answers were both spiritual and also were speaking truth to power. And for that, I have tremendous admiration for her. She walked into the lion's den. But there's a level of naivete about what she did, which is that you can't bring spirituality and God into the political arena. You can't do it because they are inherently in opposition to one another. Politics is the path of false power. Politics is the path of power over others. Spirituality is the path of power over oneself through a connection to our creator. And so they are, as I said, in opposition to one another. Those are not venues that you can blend. And when you do, you tend to get hammered. (laughs) And the one that gets hammered tends to be the one that is bringing the spirituality or trying to into the political arena. You know, I'm certain that if Jesus thought the way to do that was through politics, he would have run for the Roman Senate, not walked around the countryside trying to inspire people's hearts to connect them with God. Well, Mary Ann was on, as I said, Bill Maher, along with Vivek Ramaswamy, and they were talking about politics, they were talking about the economy, and I sent a clip of an interaction between Vivek and Mary Ann to a friend of mine who was an attorney in New York. And when she watched it, I think not being as familiar with Marianne as I am, she texted me back after watching the clip and she said, that woman, she's terrible, rattling off statistics and knowing nothing about actually running a business. Well, that may be true. And it may be why Marianne came across during the debates and in that clip with Vivek Ramaswamy as being more theoretical and idealistic than being practical and proposing solutions that actually have a chance of working in the real world where politics and corruption reign supreme. Why should we care about the corruption and why should we have cared long before now about the corruption? The reason is that unchecked corruption leads to unchecked control and ultimate oppression and enslavement. That's just a fact. When you let people get away with corruption, when you allow people to perform illegalities without consequences, those illegalities grow in intensity and magnitude. If you just look at the southern border, the drug cartels, the sex trafficking, the human trafficking... When you look at all of that and you see how it grows in magnitude and intensity and in the damage that it does, it's because it's allowed to go unchecked. And ultimately, those people who want control over, let's say, the fentanyl trafficking or who want control over human trafficking, eventually, if they can, they'll want control over much more than that. They'll want control over the population in general. 
because it's a disease. That kind of lust for power without any ethics or morality is basically a disease of the soul. It's also a disease of the heart and the mind. It may not be cancer in the sense that we understand it, but it is a cancer nonetheless. So what do we do about it? Well, I want to talk to you about three phases of opposition. The first phase is peaceful civil unrest. That's what the truckers are doing in Canada as I speak. That's what parents at school board meetings have done. They're yelling or they're seeming emotional or they're actually being emotional is not the same thing as violence. Just because you raise your voice in opposition or seem impassioned in your opposition does not automatically equate with violence. Any demonstration that does no harm, that simply exercises one's right to free speech and free assembly, is peaceful civil unrest. The rioters in Seattle, in Portland in 2020 and 2021 were not peaceful civil unrest examples. The damage that Antifa and BLM did in those cities, $23 million worth of damage to the businesses in downtown Portland, was not peaceful civil unrest. Peaceful civil unrest is our right. It is our right under the Constitution of the United States. It is the right under the Charter in Canada. And it is always appropriate and it is always legally permissible. The second phase of resistance or opposition to oppression is what I call fierceness. Fierceness does also not equate to violence. Let me give you an example of fierceness. Many years ago, I met a friend of mine in Taos, New Mexico. She lives in Santa Fe. And at the time I was living in New Jersey, we hadn't seen each other in a while and we wanted to spend some time together. So I flew to Taos, she drove up from Taos, and we stayed at, a, at a, uh, an Airbnb. She is a very metaphysical, mystical person, a wonderful person. And every morning she practices Qigong, which is a form of physical meditation. It involves certain movements of the body and certain discipline of the mind. She would get up every morning at this Airbnb and she would go out to this little meditation area that the Airbnb had set up and she would do her Qigong. And one morning I woke up and it was a while till she came back. I wanted to get going and go have breakfast. So I went out to where the meditation area was and her back was to me as I was approaching the area. And when I got within, I would say... 15 feet of her, she slowly turned just the torso of her body and her head and looked at me. She didn't say a word. It was as if she sensed me approaching. And when she turned and looked at me, there was a fierceness in her eyes that I didn't think a human was capable of. The look she gave me without saying a word was don't take another step forward, go away. And I did. I turned and I went back into the house. When she came back into the house after her Qigong exercise, I told her what had happened. And she had no recollection 
of it happening at all. She had no recollection of me having approached her or her having turned and looked at me. I truly believe it was her state of consciousness that she was in as the result of her practice that caused her to sense what she perceived to be in an altered state of consciousness, an intrusion or even a threat to what she was doing at the time. So on a level that one can hardly understand unless you participated in it, she communicated to me through simply her posture and her glance, her visage, that I was to come no further, that I was a threat to her in some way, and that I was not to intrude upon her space. It was a remarkable experience and I never forgot it because it taught me that fierceness isn't necessarily violence, that fierceness is simply a certainty for which you stand. It's a determination to communicate that certainty, and it's an intransigence and an endurance in that certainty that puts a stop to whatever it is that becomes or is perceived as a threat to one's well-being and one's existence. The third aspect of opposition is called blessed anger. I think I first came upon that concept years ago, decades ago, when I read a book called African Genesis by Robert Ardrey. I remember the example that so impacted me that was in the book, and it was this. If a lion is laying down in the jungle, just resting, In that lion's mind, or in its instinctiveness, let's say, it will map out the minimum amount of space around its physical body that it needs to be safe, that it needs to survive. If a predator approaches that lion who is simply resting, and if that predator does not move within that perimeter, within that minimal amount of space that the lion has mapped out in its instinctiveness, the lion won't flinch. The predator can come all the way to that perimeter. But if that predator crosses one inch of that perimeter, that lion will jump, attack, and fight to the death to defend itself because the minimal amount of space it needs to survive has been encroached upon. I share those three stages with you, along with Marianne Williamson's spirituality and her political naivete, because it is very important that we now look around at what's happening and decide where we're going to take our stand on the encroachment into the minimal amount of space we need to maintain our well-being and to protect our very existence, because we are under threat. But it has to be done with love. All three stages that I just went through, peaceful civil unrest, fierceness, and blessed anger, only as a last resort, all three of them have to be done with love in our hearts. It will do no good to hold violence or to intend it in and of itself, for the sake of exercising power, then we will be like those who are seeking to impose it upon us. Because if the Jews of Germany, if the Jews of Nazi Germany had 
even at the last stages of Hitler's rise to power, exhibited more blessed anger. There might have been fewer who found themselves imprisoned, tortured, and murdered in those concentration camps. Remember, unchecked corruption ends in total oppression, total control, enslavement, and ultimately death. If you doubt this, consider that Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, will today, later today as I speak, invoke the Emergency Powers Act in Canada, which will give him unlimited power to oppress, arrest, fine, imprison, or all of the above, those truckers who have simply been expressing their peaceful civil unrest, the long overdue first and second stages of resistance. If Trudeau is dumb enough and power hungry enough and dictatorial enough to use force on those truckers, he will have crossed that line of the minimal amount of space those of us who seek to retain our freedom and our autonomy will tolerate. It's all coming to a city near you and me. So before it does, think for yourself, determine where and how your line in the sand will be drawn with love, where you will stand and from your heart communicate no more, not me. It stops here. I'm Carol Gold. Thanks for listening. I'll be back here again on Wednesday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.